Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult series. Be sure to visit primed.com podcast after the discussion for more information about today's article and to claim CME-CE credit. Jeremy, a 63-year-old patient with atrial fibrillation, has been on apixaban without problems for the last two years. He is scheduled for elective cataract procedure and is in today for a pre-op evaluation. The ophthalmologist tells him to ask you about how long he should stop his anticoagulant and if he needs bridging heparin around the surgery. You remain uncertain about the best advice to give him. Hi, this is Frank Domino, and joining me today to talk about preoperative evaluation for patients on blood thinners is Dr. Robert Baldor, professor and founding chairman from the Department of Family Medicine at UMass Medical School, Bay State in Springfield, Massachusetts. This is a great topic, Bob. Hi, thanks, Frank. Glad to uh, glad to be here and to talk about it. Um, I, I actually wanted to bring this forward because there's a new study out. It's the, the PAUSE study. And uh, this was a cohort study conduct, uh, conducted at 23 clinical centers in the U.S., Canada, and Europe. They looked at data from 2014 to 2018. A pause, by the way, stands for the perioperative anticoagulation use for surgery evaluation. And this was a cohort uh, study. And they were looking at uh, patients. There were uh, a little over 3,000 of them scheduled for elective surgery or procedure, had AFib, also taking uh, a DOAC, apixaban, dabigatran, or rivaroxaban. But your patients on abixaban. These were enrolled in a uh, simple standardized, uh, uh, what they called a perioperative uh, DOAC uh, therapy uh, intervention, uh, interruption and resumption strategy. And so it was based on a specific um, uh, agent that people were on and whether the uh, any associated uh, bleeding risk for the procedure, whether it was at high risk or low risk. And they also looked at creatinine clearance because we know these uh, agents uh, are affected by uh, renal metabolism. Now, the main outcomes they were looking for was major bleeding or thromboembolism, right, which is uh, arterial thromboembolism, which is why people are on these things, looking for strokes, uh, systemic embolisms, or, uh, or, or TIA. And so they came up with a standardized uh, approach. I like the idea of a simple, simple standardized preoperative approach with these agents, Bob. Can you give us the specifics? Uh, yes. Yeah. So the this study that they looked at, again, the PAUSE uh, cohort study, mean age was uh, 72 years, plus or minus uh, nine. 66% of these folks were, were male. And they had uh, three cohorts uh, based on uh, which uh, anticoagulant they were used. Um, uh, 40, almost 42% were on abixaban. Uh, 22% were on dabaxitran, and 36% were on rivaraxaban. So the patients were excluded if they had a, a creatinine clearance of less than 25, uh, or for, um, that was for the abixaban uh, users, less than uh, 30 for the others, or if they had cognitive impairment or a psychiatric illness or more than one procedure uh, scheduled in the next uh, 30 days. So before the procedures, though, the patients were categorized as having high or low bleeding risk 
according to a pre uh, classification uh, system, which is uh, which is which is pretty standard. And so I think probably what we could do is we could we could append this uh, to the this podcast, Frank. But for example, a high bleeding risk would be uh, if you're having a major thoracic surgery or intracranial surgery or uh, significant. You had an endotorectomy. Uh, uh, hip um, uh, arthroplasty and those type of things. Low bleeding risk, though, was your patient you mentioned having uh, cataract surgery. That's considered low risk. Uh, having a colonoscopy, uh, uh, low risk. Uh, pacemaker implantation, dental extractions, those were considered low risk. But they really wanted to make sure that in this study that they had at least a third of the patients that were uh, involved were at, uh, undergoing high risk risk uh, procedures, and, and, and that was uh, seen. So before the procedure, the, uh, they were advised to uh, stop the taking uh, the, the DOAC one day before a low bleeding risk procedure or two days before a high bleeding risk procedure. A after the procedure, you would resume your regimen uh, 24 hours after a low uh, uh, bleeding risk procedure and two to three days after a high bleeding risk procedure. Again, assuming that hemostasis from the from the procedure uh, was what uh, was achieved. Oh man, is that simple and straightforward? One day for a low risk procedure, two days for a high risk procedure, and then resume for low risk procedures um, within 24 hours, and, or two to three days for a high risk procedure. Boy, Bob, this is terrific. So. Um, how did they go about assessing risk? I mean, some patients are old, some pa patients have other comorbidities. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, the guidelines, interesting for, for heparin bridging, suggested assessing uh, all of this, but they did not. They were looking at a simplified method uh, to be used without, by the way, without heparin uh, bridging. So they assessed bleeding risk just based on the procedure, as I noted, but not for clot risk. Although they did note, if you had a patient that was at high risk for a DVT for a venous thromboembolism, and I'm assuming that's somebody who's probably immobile and so on, they could receive a prophylactic dose of heparin after the operation until the uh, DOAC therapy was resumed. But they said, don't bother doing any of this. We just want to look at a simple approach, low-risk procedure, you stop a day before, you start a day after, high-risk uh, high bleeding, you stop two days before, you start two days after. That was the idea behind this simplified approach is don't do any of those things. Okay, great. So now they've got this approach. What were the outcomes? Yeah. Well, I think it was really, uh, really, really pretty neat. Uh, in, in secondary analysis of uh, patients who were uh, adhering to this therapy and assumption, the post op, the 30 day post op rate of major bleeding was 1.2% in the Abaxaban cohort, 1% in the, the Baxaban cohort, and 1.69% in the Rivoxaban cohort. Cohorts, so really low, low risk here for uh, breeding. But of course, the thing is, we concerned about is well, what about thromboembolism, right? But the rate of that was very low too. It was 0.19% in the abaxaban cohort, 0.5% in the dabaxitran, and 0.4% in the rovaxaban cohort. So they concluded that in patients with AFib who are receiving these agents and require an interruption of the anticoagulant regimen for elective surgery or procedure, a simple standardized approach that we just talked about that does not require the use of hyperbridging or any 
perioperative coagulation function testing being done. It was associated with a very low rates of perioperative major bleeding, all less than 2%, and low rates of arterial thromboembolism, less than 1%. And so uh, you can compare this to the BRIDGE trial, which was the one that talked about the bridging for patients and using war, uh, warfarin therapy. Those who were not bridged had a 30-day uh, post-op rate of major bleeding of 1.3% in a um, arterial thromboembolism rate of uh, 0.4%. So essentially so, no real difference. Yeah, yeah. This is exactly what we're seeing. So overall, it looks like patients with AFib and who are on one of these agents, you can simply stop this for these elective procedures and uh, don't worry about heparin bridging, don't worry about testing. Your assessment is what's the risk of bleeding from that procedure? If it's low, stop a day before, start a day after. If it's high, stop two days before, start two days after. Again, assuming that they're not having ongoing bleeding from their from their from their procedure. And then that little caveat in there, if somebody's at risk for a DVT, again, we're not talking about an arterial thromboembolism, which is the reason for the anticoagulation. But if they're otherwise at risk for a DVT, yeah, go ahead and do uh, give them as you would treat anybody for uh, post-op, uh, you know, uh, prophylaxis. Thanks so much, Bob. Really interesting paper, really practice changing and, and informative. Practice pointer. In patients with atrial fibrillation, DOACs can be safely interrupted for elective surgery or procedures using a simplified standard perioperative management style without heparin bridging or measurement of coagulation. Join us next time when we discuss outpatient management of musculoskeletal neck pain. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, visit primemed.com slash podcast and see you next week.